0: All right, well, good morning. Good to see you guys today. Uh, This morning, we are continuing in the book of Galatians. Galatians. We're looking, we're in our series, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and we're walking through the book of Galatians. And uh, this morning, we're looking at Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. So if you have a copy of God's word, I certainly invite you to pull that out and to follow along with us, however you have that, in print, on your phone, however it might be. And this morning we're answering the question, how do we know if we are out of step with the gospel? How do we know if we're out of step with the gospel? A few weeks back we talked about what the gospel was, and this week we're going to look at how we should live and how the gospel truth should affect our lives. And we'll talk about how We know if we're out of step with the gospel as we walk through this text today. So hopefully you found your place. I'm going to read and then we will go to the Lord in prayer and we'll dive into the message this morning. Galatians chapter 2 beginning in verse 11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Go to the Lord with me in prayer. God, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to gather together as your church, Lord, to open your word, to read from it, and now to hear from it, God. And we ask that as we walk through this text this morning, that you would help us, Lord, to apply it to our lives, that you would help us to be a people who continually walk in step with the gospel, Lord, that it affects our life so that we live it out, Lord. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, growing up, I attended a small Christian church. Private school in Savannah, Georgia. And when I was in fifth grade, we had the option of taking choir. And I say that we had the option of taking choir because when you're in fifth grade, recess is like really important to you. Um, And so they gave us the option. They said, you can choose to take choir or you can choose to continue to go to recess. And at first I was like, man, I am going to recess. But then I saw all my friends signing up for choir. And I was like well I mean you know recess is fun but recess is not fun by yourself. So I ended up signing up for choir as well. Now my singing choir didn't last all that long. I wasn't doing well in one of my classes and so I had to be tutored in that in that particular subject. And I don't remember which subject it was but I had to be tutored. And so I, I distinctly remember the day that my teacher goes to the choir director, and he says, Casey's not going to be coming back to choir. And, and the guy answered, and he said, oh, that's fine. It's probably for the best anyways. <laughs> oh, man. I still remember, I mean, this is fifth grade. I still remember that conversation taking place. And while that hurt my ego a little bit, it was true. It was, it was definitely for the best because I was out of step with the rest of the class. I'm, I'm tone deaf, I can't carry a tune to save my life which is why I will never volunteer to lead music and honestly you never want me to volunteer to lead music you might as well just come preach and we get out early then have to suffer through that with me now while while it did hurt my ego a little bit what my choir teacher said I'm glad that I learned early that that I really could not sing or else I would have ended up like an American Idol or something like that and not not like in the top five or ten, but, you know, on, on the blooper reels. Those guys who think, man, I can sing, and they really can't, and they end up on the blooper. That, w- that would have been me, right? Because I would have thought, hey, I can, I can sing. And so I'm glad that someone was honest with me, even though it hurt my ego a little bit at the time. And, and we need people who are going to be honest with us. Not just, not just people who are going to be honest with us and tell us, hey, man, you, you, can't, you can't sing, but But we need people who are going to be honest with us when it comes to how we are living our lives. We all need others who are willing to to come alongside of us and who are willing to speak the truth into our life and love. And if we don't, we're going to end up going through life thinking that, that we're great at everything. And that's not only dangerous when it comes to our talents, but that is certainly dangerous when it comes to the Christian life. We must have others who are going to hold us accountable. We must have others who are willing to speak the truth of God's Word into our lives. Even if we don't, if we don't we, we're not going to grow. And even worse, we might end up being taken by false teaching or, or living contrary to the Gospel and God's will. When we live contrary to the, to the Gospel and, and God's will, which is found in His Word, we not only hurt ourselves, but we hurt those who are around us. And, 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 it, and at first, we might not think like that, right? Because our, our natural instinct is not to say, are my actions harming the community in which I am living? Our, our natural instinct is to say, are my actions harming me? And, and I think it's because we're, we're very individualistic. This has been drilled into us by our, our culture, right? It's, it's all about ourselves. Like, is it, does it work for me? Not does it work for the community in which I live, but does it work for me. And while that's how our, con- our culture has conditioned us to think, that, that's not really the reality of things, right? I mean, our actions affect the community in which we live, we work, and we play. And that not only applies to, to church members, but it also applies to those who we are attempting to reach with the gospel. If we're living out of step with the gospel, and, and we don't have anyone who is telling us that we are living out of step with the gospel, well, well we're in trouble. And in today's text, we see that Peter was living out of step with the gospel. But Paul, Paul was, was willing to be honest with Peter. And he was willing to be honest with Peter at just the right time. And it not only helped the community, but it also helped Peter get back in step with the gospel. So look at verse 14. There Paul says to him, But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew... How can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And in case you're wondering, Cephas is just another name for Peter. And Peter is one of the apostles. He's one of the people who, who did life with, with Jesus, right? He walked with Jesus. And in fact, he was actually in Jesus' inner circle. And he was, and, and he is now in Jerusalem, and he's one of the head honchos. He's one of the, the, the main elders there in the Jerusalem church. And Paul confronted Peter in front of everyone because Peter was out of step with the gospel. So what does that mean? What does it mean for us to be out of step with the gospel? Well, it means that Peter wasn't living in harmony with the gospel's truths or in other words he wasn't living out the gospel's values of of say love and and peace and and self-sacrifice and christian freedom and and recognition of it and putting away our sins and and living according to god's express will in his word and our our ability to do that because now we're not in bondage to sin right these are these are some of the values these are some of the, the the ways in which we can live in harmony with the gospel how it applies to our life and to our our christian walk. And I want us to understand that that once we become a believer, our lives should change. Not that that we won't ever sin again. And we we, we certainly will sin. We will experience the pull of sin in our lives. but, But as Christians, we do not have to give in to that sin. And that's not because we have been given these superhuman strength that, that now, because we have believed in Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, we, we, we can fight against the power of sin like we couldn't in the past. That's, that's not necessarily the case. Right? We are sinners. We're, we're still sinners. We, we still live in this sinful body and we still feel the effects of sin on our life and the pull of sin on our life. And so it's not that we're somehow elevated to this new level now where now we can fight sin. No, it, it's, we've been released from the bondage of sin. Our, our will has actually changed. Those things that we desire has actually changed. And we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to, to seek the things of God rather than the things of the world. You see, before we came to Christ, we are in bondage of sin and we can't help but sin our entire life is directed towards sin because our entire life is lived in rebellion to God. But when we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, right, our relationship with the Lord changes. Jesus' blood covers us. We are made righteous, not because of who we are, but because of what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. And our relationship with the Father changes from one of judgment to one where he is actually our Father. And so now we desire the things of God. This is the idea of repentance. Right? You're walking in your own direction, your own way. You're doing things your own life. You're doing things in the only way that you want to do. And, and then we come to faith in Christ. And we repent of our sin, our rebellion against God, and then all the individual sins that make up that rebellion. And we turn to to say, God, I want to live according to your wisdom and your will. And we begin to follow after the Lord recognizing that He is the all-wise creator of this world. And so it's our desires that change, and when we we live according to those desires, but when we we, we walk out of step on the gospel, when we are not living out those desires, when we are living contrary to what the gospel has allowed us to do, which is to live in accordance with God's will in our lives. And no one is immune to this. We see here, Peter, I mean, he, he walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He, he was the guy who was walking on water out to the boat where, or from the boat to where Jesus was out in the water. I mean, this, this guy is the head of the Jerusalem church, the, the main place for all of, of Christianity has, has been birthed from, right? He preached and like 5,000 people were saved in one day. Uh, this guy is not immune to walking out of step with the gospel, which means we're not immune to walking out of step with the gospel. No one is immune to walking out of step with the gospel. And so the circumcision party shows up and Peter begins to walk out of step with the gospel. And so what happened? How did, how did he walk out of step with the gospel? How do we know if we are walking out of step with the gospel? Well, we're going to look at Peter, we're going to look at Barnabas. we're going to look at the Jews here in Antioch, we're going we're to see some ways in which we do that. First, when we don't fellowship with all peoples, we walk out of step with the gospel. So look at verses 11 and 12. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So before certain people came from Jerusalem, the people who came from Jerusalem were the circumcision Party. And these people believed that, that you had to be circumcised in order to be a believer in Christ. This is why they're labeled the circumcision party. And so they're, they're adding uh, something to the gospel. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, that next week when we talk more about justification by faith. But, but this is basically who they were. And so they come and they see that Peter is actually eating with the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are not circumcised. The Jews are those who are circumcised. And so he sees they're, they're eating with them, and they, or, or he sees they're coming, and he's eating with those, and he knows that these people are against that. He knows that, that they uh, think that you have to be circumcised in order to be a Christian, in order to be a good follower of Jesus Christ. And so he says, man, I'm, I don't want to be associated with these Gentiles any longer. I don't want to, them to see that I am associated with them. And so he begins to not eat with them. He doesn't go to, to dine with them. Now, now that might be a little bit lost on us in today's culture, right? Because when we think about dining with someone or we think about gathering together for a meal, I mean, it's kind of like a take it or leave it type of thing, right? I mean, we can uh, have, have a meal in our car, right, on the way to soccer practice or football or baseball practice. Or, or maybe we, we gather around and we watch TV and, and we have a meal or we eat at our at our desk or something like that right now I'm not advocating dinner in those ways I mean we should gather around the table with our family we try to do that in our household it's not we're not always perfect but but we certainly strive to do that but in Peter's day and this really wasn't wasn't optional uh, when, when you had a meal you didn't go and get fast food you didn't even have fast food back then you you gathered together with those in which you were in community with them when you gathered together with someone over a meal you were fellowshipping with them you were saying you're my people and i want to be in community with you i want to know what's going on in your life i want you to know what's going on in my life i want us to be in community with one another there was this relationship that there was that was there and when peter first arrived in in antioch right he he noticed that the jews and and gentiles were freely associating with one another, and he joined in He joined into fellowship with them. And Peter dining with the Gentiles should not be a surprise to us. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is directed by the Lord to the house of a Gentile by the name of Cornelius after he has this crazy dream on the top of of a roof. Uh, And and he realizes that that Jews and Gentiles can, can gather together in community. They can dine together with one another. And he went to Cornelius' house he preached the gospel to Cornelius. Cornelius believed the gospel and, and Peter fellowship with him. And then when he returned back to Jerusalem, he even defended his actions of preaching the gospel and fellowshipping with Cornelius to the other leaders there in the Jerusalem church. In, in Acts eleven seventeen, he says this, If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? He's saying, guys, this, who, who am I? Who am I to stand in God's way of saving this other person just because they're not a Jew? The gift he is talking about is the gift of, of salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Christ, you see, we are, we are made one. And Paul makes this clear in his letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says this, Therefore, remember that at one time, You Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, he says, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And he continues, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, The dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You see what he's saying? Saying, look, through the gospel through Jesus through Christ through his blood sacrifice on our behalf through the spirit's work in our life we are all made one it's not there's not a separate salvation for Jews and a separate salvation for Gentiles a, a new humanity is actually created when we come to faith in Christ and we are all equal we are all equal in Christ because we all equally need to be saved Amen. by Christ and that means that we should be able to fellowship with no, a, anyone, no matter their background, their nationality, their socioeconomic status. None of those things should keep us from fellowshipping with another person. But when we allow that to happen, when we allow others to influence us like, like Peter had happened here, we're not walking in step with the gospel. Instead, we're actually living contrary to the gospel's message and we're acting out of prejudice. So that's the first sign that we're not walking in step with the gospel. We are not willing to fellowship with all people. Next, we learn that, that we aren't walking in step with the gospel when we fear man. The fear of man means that we fear what other people are going to think about us. We fear what other people can actually do to us. And that might involve bodily harm. That might involve the loss of our standing, our influence, or, or our privilege in the community in which we, we live or within a particular group. And that's what caused Peter to draw back from the Gentiles. He, he feared what the circumcision party would think of him, what they possibly could do to him. And we already talked about this is, this is out of character for Peter. He pushes back against the apostles in, 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 in Acts 11. And he also opposes this same circumcision party when Paul and Titus came to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. But here in Antioch, for some reason, he decides that, that he is going to walk in the fear of man instead of walking in the gospel. And when he did that and when we do that, we are walking out of step with the gospel. You see, just because you are you are walking in, in one direction and you are constantly pushing back doesn't mean that you're always going to do that. Doesn't mean that, that you can't succumb to that particular sin that, that you have been able to battle against in the past. See, we can do that. But here's the deal the gospel comes in and it frees us from the fear of man. In Christ, we are accepted by the Father. And this is what we have to remember. This is what we have to constantly preach to ourselves. We, we can't think that we are immune to, to something just because we, we have been immune to it in the past. We've got to constantly uh, preach the gospel to ourselves, constantly remind ourselves that we are accepted by the Father in Christ. And His acceptance is the greatest acceptance that we could ever hope for in this world. And that's because His acceptance provides us with a relationship with God. God goes from being our, our enemy. He goes from, from being a person who is, who is scary and we are scared of and who, in the end, we might call the rocks to fall on top of us and try to hide ourselves from the Lord. You know, in Revelation, it talks about this. But no one is going to escape his judgment, it also says. We go from, from fearing this guy, this God, to saying, man, God is our Father. And we can go to him. We can run to him at any point And we can, we can pour our hearts out to him. We can petition him. We can ask of him. And all because of what Christ has done. And so we need not worry about what, what man thinks of us. We have the greatest acceptance that we could ever want and that we would ever desire in the gospel, in Christ. And our life then is not to be. Live to please man, but our life is to be lived to actually bring glory to God. You know, many people ask, "Well, what I need to figure out my my purpose in life?" They might even say, "I I needed to go take some pilgrimage somewhere, and get to go to India or whatever, right?" And, and figure out what what my life's purpose is. I'm going to tell you your life's purpose. So you don't have to do any of that. Your life's purpose is to bring glory to God. Amen. That is our life's purpose. We can do that in a number of different ways, but, but that is our life's purpose. God has gifted us, and so we can, we can work and do different things in different capacities. We, we have different life experiences, but, but through all of that, our main purpose in life is to bring glory to God, and we are free to do that because of what the gospel has done and how it has freed us, and so we shouldn't fear man and said we should live our lives to the glory of God. Next, we are not walking in step with the gospel when we lead others astray by acting hypocritically. And that's exactly what happened in Antioch. So look at, look at verse 13. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, Peter, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. And so Paul tells us Peter and the Jews, they, they acted hypocritically. And, and we have all heard the word Hypocrite. And it's derived from the theater where actors would, would wear masks. And so this is the idea of being, being two-faced. And, and you guys are familiar with, with actors. Um, they, 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 they play a role in a TV show or, or a movie, um, but, but they don't play that role in real life. right? When they, when they walk off of the set, they're no longer that person. So Batman is no longer Batman. Right when he when he walks off the set, he's he's whoever his name is. Right, uh, James Bond is no longer James Bond when he walks off the set. Right, he's he's whoever that guy is that's playing James Bond that time. And and you can go down go down the list. Uh, they're actors. They are paid to 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 take on a different personality and to act in different ways than they normally would. And so they are considered hypocrites, if you will, at that point they're not living out who they actually are they're living different than who they are but they're doing that for a purpose they're actors now we're not actors and so we should not live hypocritically like that who we say we are in one area or or one community uh, in one group we should be that same person in another area community or group Right? Who we are at work should be who we are at home and who we are at church should be who we are throughout the rest of the week. If if not, then we're acting hypocritically. And, and who we are, if we say that we are a Christian, is a child of God. We are a, a part of God's family. And there's a certain way that people in God's family are are to live and are to act. They, they live in accordance with God's will. And so when we say that we are a Christian, when we say that we're a follower of Jesus, but we actually don't follow Jesus, then we're acting hypocritically. We're acting two-faced because we're claiming one thing, we're saying one thing, but then our actions are proving another. Or, or maybe your actions are, you know, for an hour or two on Sunday in line with, with, with the gospel, but the rest of the week they're not. Right. That Same thing, right? We're acting hypocritically because we're not living according to who we actually are in christ we're not living out our identity and, and living a life that that's like that can lead other people astray we see that here with peter he he pulls back and and he's the head guy right i mean he's he, he's this elder who's come from jerusalem he he's the guy who is in Jesus' inner circle he's walking and talking with jesus Everybody's following and looking at him and they see him pull back and so they pull back as well and they begin to act hypocritically as well and they're out of step with the gospel and so we're out of step with the gospel when we act hypocritically. Next we learn that we aren't walking in step with the gospel when we require more of people than the gospel does. Verse 14, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, "If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews?" Now, Peter was living in the freedom of the gospel in Christ. We have been free from having to keep certain portions of the law, especially when it comes to to salvation. Right, but. But in withdrawing from the Gentiles, Peter did not extend the same freedom to them. Instead, he was saying, look, more is required of you, more than what the gospel is required. And when Peter did that, and when we do that, we aren't walking except with the gospel. And in, in order to be a Christian, we don't have to believe in Jesus plus something else. Right? We, we believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and that's it. We don't have to do anything else. We don't have to dress a certain way. We don't have to talk a certain way. We don't have to take on a certain culture. We don't have to be of a certain political party. Right? There's nothing else required than that we believe in Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. That's what is required for us to be a believer. But when we, when we begin to put other things in there, well, you know, if you're a Christian, you can't do this, you can't do this, or you've got to live like this, you've got to change and be like that. I mean, yes, you are going to change. We talked about this uh, last week or the week before. You're going to change when you come to Christ. But, but it, it's not that you're changing in order to be a Christian. You're changing because you are a Christian, because you are following Jesus. Those desires that we talked about at the beginning of the message today, those have changed. Our will has changed. We no longer desire the things of the world, but we desire the things of Christ. And so, yes, there's going to be a change that takes place, certainly. But that change doesn't have to take place in order for us to be a Christian. And that's what is happening here. And that's what we have to understand. We don't force people to take on a certain cultural uh, climate or or a certain dress or talk or anything like that in order for them to be a Christian. When we require others to do more than believe, we are not walking in step with the gospel and we're not teaching them to walk in step with the gospel either. Lastly... We aren't walking in with the gospel when we seek salvation according to works and not by faith. And that's really at the heart of, of what's happening here. This is what this has been driving towards. By requiring the Gentiles to do more than just believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, by requiring them to be circumcised, the gospel has changed from one of faith to one of works. But look at what Paul says in verses 15 and 16. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And Paul is explicit. No one is justified by works of the law, not even those who who first had the law. And Paul and the other Jews know that because they turn to Jesus as their Lord and as their their Savior. And that is what's what's required of folks. And so you have the law in the Old Testament and people were to live according to this law because God lived in their midst. And so this was a way for them to live in the midst of a a holy God so that they are not expelled from 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 his presence. And so as people sinned, and God listed out all these different, different sins and all these ways in which people broke the law, they would then have to come and make a sacrifice uh, for their sins. Uh, and, and that sacrifice, the blood from that sacrifice, would, would cover them because it took their place. It took their punishment for them, and the punishment of, of sin is death. right? The wages of sin is death. You guys may have heard that verse from Romans and so here we, we have to understand that the law is given for that purpose. It's given and we'll look at this a little bit later in Galatians it's given as a tutor. It's given to help us to understand how we should live and to help us to understand who God is and then also to help us to understand why we actually need the gospel. Right? It, it points out our sins it shows us that we are a sinner and, and it shows us that there's nothing that we can do in order to make up for that sin. This is why these folks have to come and they have to offer a sacrifice. They have to offer something else besides what they can what they can do. They've got an offer an animal sacrifice on their behalf. And so this points forward to Christ. This points forward to Jesus who comes and dies on our behalf. And so it is the law then that it is is, is the law is not what's saving us. It's always faith, either in the future Messiah from the Old Testament standpoint, or our faith now in what Jesus has done on the cross. Amen. This is what provides us with salvation. And we cannot add anything to that. We are not justified by works. But some reason, we, we, we want to do that. We want to run back to justification by works. And I believe that's because that's what's natural to us. We, we, we are, well, we're supposed to, at least in general. Uh, we, we work for everything that we have. Right? Nothing comes, nothing comes free. And so we want to apply that also to our salvation. Well, nothing else comes free. We've got to work for it. But, but here we have the greatest gift that could ever be given. a free gift. Jesus' death on our behalf. And while Paul's words great against all that is natural to us, they're also encouraging. They're encouraging because it tells us that that no matter what our background is, no matter what we have done in the past or how we are actually living right now, none of that stuff matters. None of that stuff either aids or takes away from our salvation. You often hear people say, well, I got to clean myself up before I can come to church or I got to clean myself up before I come to Christ. No, no, we we don't have to clean ourselves up. In fact, we we can't clean ourselves up. It is absolutely impossible for us to do that. We have to rest in Christ. Salvation is not the result of our works. Rather, it is a result of Jesus's work on our behalf. And thankfully, that's the case because we are condemned sinners who can't pay this penalty. Now, it may help to think of it in a courtroom scene. So, so say you're on trial for murder, killed somebody. Um, you coming down to the, to the sentencing aspect. You've been found guilty, and you're going to be sentenced to death. And, and say someone in the courtroom stands up, and they say, Hey, uh, I, I want to take their punishment for them. You, you can arrest me, you can put me in jail, you can kill me on their behalf and let them go free. Now, that doesn't happen in our court of law. It can't happen in our court of law. It's not how things work, right? But this is how it works with Christ. Christ, he sees that we have been condemned. We have, we deserve punishment. We deserve the wages of sin, which is death. And Jesus says, I will take that punishment for them. And he goes to the cross and He does just that. Amen. And a relationship with the Father is made right. But if we try to add works to that, you're not going to get out of that courtroom by saying, oh, I'll do a little bit of time in jail and then this guy can come take my place. No, you're going to walk right out of that courtroom and say, I'm free. And that's the same thing with Christ. When, when we believe in Christ, we don't need to add anything to it. We can, we can walk in the freedom that He provides. And then when we do that, we're walking in step with the gospel. But when we add works to the equation, justification doesn't occur, and we're not walking in step with the gospel. And the gospel is a beautiful thing. It's a life-giving message. Not only should we believe in the gospel, but we should then allow the gospel to direct and guide our life. It must be that which informs our everyday actions as, as it gives us hope, hope for hope for the future. And so as Christians, we must walk in step with the gospel. We can't say that we believe in the gospel and then allow something else to direct our lives. Christ followers are those who walk in step with the gospel, not deviating from it. And when we deviate from the gospel, we need to quickly get back in line, stepping to the gospel's beat. And when we walk In step with the gospel we actually end up living in freedom of the gospel and we are better capable of strengthening the church and its members as well as when we walk in step with the gospel we will be a vibrant witness for Christ in the community in which we live and so if we want to be a a vibrant church that is strong in the faith then we've got to walk in step with the gospel if we want to reach 10 through 1 this coming year then we must walk in step with the gospel and if we're a believer, that, that, that's how you can respond today. You can respond today by purposing to walk in step with the gospel. And if you're not a believer today, you've, you've heard the gospel. You've heard that the gospel provides you with freedom. You've heard the gospel provides you with hope. You've heard that it's not about your works, but it's about Christ's work on your behalf. Now is an opportunity for you to begin walking in step with the gospel as well to begin following Jesus, to believe that He is your Lord and He is your Savior. And so now we're going to have a time of response. And this is an opportunity for you to respond. If you're a believer, pray and ask that the Lord would, would help you to see if, if you're not walking in step with the gospel. And then help him to stre- pray that, that He would strengthen you so that you are walking in step with the gospel. And if you're not a believer here today, well, now is an opportunity for you to repent of your sins and turn and, and believe in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And if you still got questions, I'd be happy to, to talk further with you. I'll, I'll be outside. Ryan and myself will be out the back doors here. And we'd be happy to, to talk with you now or set up a time to, to gather and, and talk more about the gospel. It would be our privilege to do that. Amen. And so now is an opportunity for us to respond, to respond to this message. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it gives us life. We thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in Christ, for the freedom that we have in Christ. And Lord, we ask that we would understand that freedom today and that we would live according to that freedom, not adding anything to the gospel, but walking in step with it, Lord, allowing it to influence us, and to drive the way that we live, God. Applying the gospel to every aspect of our lives. Help us to do that as a, as a church. And Lord, if there's someone here today who doesn't know you, someone watching online who doesn't know you as their Lord and as their Savior, God, we ask, Lord, that you would work in their life. That God, you would draw them to yourself, that you would help them to see that these truths are true. And that they do give them hope, and that they would turn to Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.